Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. My name is Pastor Tom. I am the pastor of small groups here at Rockbrook Church, and it's a real honor for me to be able to give you today's message. We're in a series called The Songs of Summer, and we've been going through the book of Psalms, which is the song book of the Bible. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 77, and Psalm 77 is going to help us to overcome our doubts when they arise in our life. But uh, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about the writer of this psalm. The writer of this psalm is Asaph. And um, Asaph is responsible for writing Psalm 50 and 73 through 83. They're called the Psalms of Asaph. And also, Asaph is from one of the 12 tribes of Israel called the Levites. And the Levites had the responsibility of all the priestly duties for the Israelites. Asaph was also one of King David's uh, main worship leaders. Something else I want to share with you uh, this morning is that um, I've been struggling with doubt in my life personally. I've been dealing with this roller coaster of doubt probably over the last five years, and uh, this seed of doubt keeps kind of creeping in every once in a while. And um, I'm asking questions like, am I, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? You know, am I cut out for this? And uh, I have these periods in my life where God kind of seems distant from me. And I have a hard time finding joy in reading his word. And um, maybe you're in a season of doubt. You know, our world has been turned upside down. We're living with situations so confusing, we don't know who to believe. Everybody seems to be offering solutions, but nothing changes. And some of you are not in a season of doubt, but I've got news for you. It's probably right around the corner. Some event is going to come into your life that's going to lead you into a season of doubt. And some of you may have family members, close friends, or a close co-worker that is struggling with doubt. And so maybe today, God wants to use you to be a messenger in their life and bring hope to them. But the truth is, is doubt comes naturally to us all. We are born questioners. You know, what, what is the, the number one repetitive question that most children ask? Why? How come, Mommy? Why, Daddy? We're born that way. And, you know, just because you're a, a follower of Christ does not mean that you will not have doubt. The Bible is filled with men and women who were devoted, passionate followers of God, and they had seasons of doubt. They found themselves questioning their faith and questioning God. And I don't know about you, but just knowing that, you know, not, knowing that I'm not alone in my doubt, that alone brings me encouragement. And that's why I wanted to share with you what, what's going on in my life. And, and to me, Asaph was an encouragement to me. I mean, he was a priest. He's a worship leader. And, um, and he struggled with doubt. 
None of us are exempt from doubt, but there is hope. And Asaph shows me and you in Psalm 77 how to wrestle with and use our doubt for spiritual growth. So listen in as Asaph shares some of his doubts. And when you listen, I want you to hear his words. I want you to hear his agony, his angst, his struggle in, the, in his words. Verses 1 through 5. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. Wow, that's some real, raw emotion. He says he cried out. He's in distress. He cannot find comfort. He he groaned. His spirit grew faint. He, he laid awake all night long, too troubled to speak. And it says he thought about the good old days. Just the other day, uh, my daughter, Samantha, was babysitting two little boys. And they had just come in, came in the house from swimming. And uh, they were in our living room. And I'm working on the sermon. And I go around to peek in just to see what they were doing. And there they were eating their snack, watching cartoons, and my daughter's getting ready to take them to Chick-fil-A. And I thought, wow, the good old days. <laughs> you know, this whole issue of doubt and internal struggle is the question, why? I mean, God, I, you know, I gave my life to you. I, set, I accepted you as my Lord and Savior. Why do you let me wrestle in my mind why do you let me struggle with these things? Why do you let me have doubt? And the answer is that God knows our nature all too well. God knows that when life is easy, when everything is making sense and we're comfortable, our tendency is to forget God. Much of the Old Testament is a message that repeats over and over and over. And it goes a little something like this. You know, God blesses his people. They get comfortable and they forget God. They drift, away. they drift so far away, they get disconnected from God. And then something happens. You know, war comes. They get plundered. They get taken captive. Something happens. Famine. And then all of a sudden they cry out to God and they go, Why, God? Why is this happening to us? Look at Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12. This is when the Israelites are about to enter the promised land, and Moses says to them, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget, forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You know, God is most interested in our relationship with him. 
When everything comes easy and when life makes sense and there's no doubt, we have a tendency to forget God. But when life falls apart and doubts arise, our tendency is to look for answers. There on your outline, it is our nature to look for reasons. It is God's nature to offer relationships. You know, we think the answers to our doubts is an explanation. And God says the answer to your doubts is me. We're very much like Thomas in the New Testament. You know, after Jesus had resurrected from the dead, he appeared to the disciples one day. But Thomas wasn't there. And the disciples said to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. And Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. So a few days later, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to Thomas. And Jesus says to him in verse 27 of John 20, he says, Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger into my hands. Put your hand into my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then he says something very interesting in verse 29. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Man, isn't that awesome? For us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those of us that we haven't had that opportunity to see Jesus or even to touch uh, the wounds in his hand or in his side, we believe even though we haven't seen. We believe because of our faith. And we're blessed because of that. You know, Thomas wanted answers. We want answers. But God wants faith. Other words for faith are loyalty and trust. You know, loyalty. Who do you go to first when you doubt? You know, who do you trust? He wants us to trust in Him and not in our own human understanding. Jesus put a higher premium on faith than He did an explanation. He said, blessed are those who don't have the answers, but they choose to trust Me anyways. Blessed are those whose minds are filled with doubt, yet they choose faith. Having doubts does not make you less spiritual or less of a Christian at all. No, in fact, our doubts can help us to grow spiritually. And I have found there are at least three upsides to doubts. And um, as, as I wrestled with these scriptures, I, I was um, encouraged that I experienced these three, same three upsides when I have doubts in my life. Number one, my doubts drive me to God. When all of a sudden my life is turned upside down, something doesn't make sense, I'm facing a crisis, you know, I am more apt to look up and seek God's help and to seek God's presence in my life. You know, I'm more apt to spend more time speaking to God and, and, and listening to what He has to say to me. Look at verse 1. Asaph begins with these words. He said, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. Asaph has big doubts. And what does he do first? He goes to God with his doubt. He prays first. And that's why we stress the importance of, de of developing Christian disciplines and habits into your life, like going to church, reading your Bible, a prayer life, being in a small group, 
giving your time, talents, and treasures to the glory of God. We don't stress those things because that's what good Christians do. We stress those things so that you develop the habit of going to God first so that when seasons of doubts arise in your life, you'll go to Him. That's what Asaph did. He prayed first. So the second upside of doubts is not only do they drive me to God, but my doubts force me to wrestle with life's difficult questions. You know, when, when everything is good and comfortable, we tend to live at this surface-level kind of life. You know, we just let, let the, the fast-paced of it, fast pace of life kind of just drive us to what we're doing. Or maybe you're an introvert, you know, when things are good, um, you know, I don't need anybody, I don't, I don't need God. But when your world gets turned upside down, you know, you lose a job, or the doctor says it's cancer, or your spouse walks out, whatever the crisis, it causes you to search and to ask deep questions. Questions every one of us is going to wrestle with at some point in our life. Questions like, why me? God, what, what did I do to deserve this? Where are you, God, in this? God, what do you want me to learn in this? And doubt forced Asaph to ask some deep questions, starting with verse 6. He says, I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? You'll let those questions just sink in for a minute. They all kind of have a common thread to them, and that's doubt. Our doubts force us from this surface-level thinking to start asking some more deeper questions. The third upside, doubts can deepen your faith. You know, when you walk in times of doubt, you often come out on the other side um, deepened in your confidence in God and strengthened in your faith. I can remember a very powerful moment in my life when I had a huge doubt. My life was a total mess, and I had some really bad habits, and I was working in construction, and the, the work environment that I was working in just fed into my mess and my bad habits. But I was searching for answers on how to change my life. And so I was invited to a Christian conference for men. And the conference was held over a weekend. And it centered on what it means to be a godly man. And the first night of that conference, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. It was the best decision of my life. And if you haven't done that, I highly recommend it. If you want to learn more, just stay tuned. Or you can see me after the service. I would love to talk to you more about it. But when the high of that conference wore off, I realized I got to go back to work on Monday. And I remember praying and saying to God, you know, I can't go back to that environment. I was honestly thinking I'm going to have to quit. 
I didn't want to go back on Monday and engage in conversations I didn't need to hear, sit in a job trailer and look at things I didn't need to see, drink after work in order to be liked. And I told God I'm not strong enough to go back and face my coworkers. And it just so happens that I was transferred to another job site. And so I decided, well, I'm going to draw crosses on my work gloves. I put Christian stickers on my hard hat. I put a fish symbol on my welding hood. I was doing everything I could to let those guys know that I'm different now, but I didn't want to talk about it. But when I showed up for work that day, I was assigned a welding job with an, an older gentleman that I had never met before. And he noticed all the Christian stuff I had. And uh, he said, you a Christian? And I thought, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> and I reluctantly said yes, and I told him my story. And lo and behold, he was a believer too. And from that point on, God put a, a Christian or Christians on every job site I worked on until I was mature enough to be the Christian for everybody else. When I doubted, God made a way, and that deepened my faith. So those are the upsides to doubt. They drive me to God, cause me to wrestle with life's difficult questions, and deepens my faith. Now let's look at some practical steps that Asaph took to deal with his own doubts. And there's three of them. Number one, there on your outline, we want to remember God's track record. And this is about gaining perspective. This is about taking a step back and looking at all that God has done. And Asaph says in verses 11 through 12, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. I want you to circle these words. Remember, consider, and meditate. These all refer to the mind. And here's the principle I want you to get. Memory is a friend to faith. Memory is a friend to faith. God has an incredible track record. And Asaph says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. So let me give you some practical suggestions. These are not in your notes on how to remember God's track records. You know? So if you're going through or struggling through a time of doubt, I want to encourage you to familiarize yourself with the stories in the Bible. Like when God knocked down the walls at Jericho. When God delivers Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the fiery furnace. When God delivers Daniel from the lion's mouth. When God raises his son Jesus Christ from the dead. Read about these stories. Listen to these stories. Find movies that relate these stories. The Bible is an account of God's incredible track record. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Another practical step to remembering God's track, re track record is to listen to worship music. You know, most worship songs are about God's incredible track record. You know, Rockbrook has a playlist on Spotify called The Songs of Summer. 
And I would encourage you to check that out and listen to those worship songs. Another practical way to remember God's track record is, is the list times in your life when God showed up. I'm going to share just a, a little bit of my list. And I'm not going to go into details, but um, you know, even before I was a believer, God showed up. He showed up when my oldest son was born. My oldest son was born prematurely, and he nearly died. And God provided a, um, for me financially after his birth. I didn't have insurance. Um, my salvation experience, how my wife and I met, how uh, he got me through another huge financial crisis, how I got my job as an iron worker, a time when Jen and I sold our first house by owner. You know, it wasn't selling. I said, hey, we, hadn't prayed. we haven't prayed about this. We need to pray. So we prayed, and the very next day, a guy knocks on our door, and he says, I want to buy your house. I have cash, no inspections, no nothing. What do we got to do to get this done? I have a refrigerator story. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You ought to ask me about it. You know, my dad coming to church. My dad's faith journey battling terminal cancer. My calling into ministry. I don't know why I'm so emotional this morning, but my mission trip I've been on, and every time we do baptisms, that helps me to remember God's track record. And then just recently, God showed up through my next, my next door neighbor. Those are just a few, a few of mine. What are yours? And I encourage you to write them down. So how Asaph overcame his doubt, he, number one, he remembered God's track record. Number two, he trusted God's character and power. Trusted God's character and power. Verse 13, Asaph says, Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? God's character can be trusted. Psalm 34 through 8 says, uh, Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who trust in Him. You know, when I think about God's character, I think of Galatians 5, through 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, often in seasons of doubt, we think that God has abandoned us, that He doesn't care, that He's just toying with us. But that's not true. That's not his char- character. His character will not allow that. In seasons of doubt, God is trying to draw us in. He's trying to draw us near to him. He is, pr- he is motivated by his love. God is love. And Asaph says we need to also remember God's power. Verse 14. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Isaiah 40, 25 through 26 also speaks of God's power. It says, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who creates all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God's power is is demonstrated through creation. Each star has his fingerprint on it. You know, a sunrise brings forth heat. The sunset 
brings about the night. The seasons display his power. You know these white little fluffy things that we call snowflakes? You pile a bunch of those on top of one another and they can shut down a whole city. And not one of them is alike. You know, a lightning bolt can shut off the power for city blocks. The wind can uproot mighty trees. The ground can shake and topple buildings. The waves of the ocean can toss a mighty ship back and forth like it's a toy. You know, trusting in God's power gives us security, it gives us protection, and it diminishes our fears. And Asaph says, I've got my doubts, I've got my questions, but when I think about God's track record, and when I think about his, his character and his power, I'm strengthened in my faith, and I doubt less. But there's one last thing that he does that I want us to learn Number three, he teaches us to celebrate our future. Verse 15, Asaph says, With your mighty arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Circle the word redeemed. You know, redeemed is kind of a churchy word. If you don't know what it means, um, it simply means to be bought back. To be bought back. And for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've been redeemed. We've been bought back by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And our faith, our belief, our trust in that truth seals the deal for our salvation. That truth becomes a personal reality for each and every one of us. We may be in a season of doubt. We may have some deep questions. But Asaph reminds us that we've been bought back. God will never leave you or forsake you. You are his for eternity. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, and I would even add our, our doubts. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we begin to wrap up here, there on your outline, you'll see a line that says, my next step is. So what is it from today that you could put into practice? You know, when it comes to God's track record, you know, we talked about reading and, and listening and, or watching the great stories of the Bible or listening to worship music you know, or writing the times, that get, the times that God showed up in your life or God's character and power. Maybe you could do a study on God's character and his power. You know, go outside. Look up to the heavens. Explore his creation and your future. Maybe you're here today and you need to be redeemed. You know, I just want to encourage you, just confess. Confess to him that you realize that you've gone your own way and you need to be bought back. Ask him to redeem you. Ask him to come into your life 
Surrender and give him permission to take you by the hand and lead you for the rest of your life. And those of you that are believers, uh, maybe today you just need to surrender. Surrender and realize you're not going to get all the answers to the questions that you have. You just need to lean into your faith and trust God, trust in his track record, trust in his character and his power, and trust that you have a future with him forever. You know, we have verses 16 through 20 of Psalm 77 left. And these verses show us what it means to remember God's track record, remember his character and power, and to remember our future. You know, a little background to these verses before we get into them. Uh, The Israelites were in bondage to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And they were living under brutal conditions. And God hears their cries and he delivers them from Egypt. So they march out of Egypt as free people. But Pharaoh has a change of mind. So he gathers his army together and he pursues the Israelites. And he chases them all the way to the Red Sea. And the Israelites find themselves in a predicament. They're trapped. The Red Sea is in front of them, and the Egyptian army is bearing down on them from behind. They're trapped. Doubt sets in. And they cry out. And God parts the Red Sea for them as a way of an escape. You know, Asaph started, this, started Psalm 77 with doubt and deep questions. But by the end of this psalm, his doubt is diminished. He's recalling this moment when the Israelites are standing there and God parts the Red Sea for them so they can pass through. He finds comfort in God's track record. He trusts God's character and power, and he is celebrating the future. So I want you to read, listen, and watch this. Psalm 77, verses 16 through 20. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you have a track record we can trust. Over and over, your word demonstrates your desire to pursue us and deliver us from our doubts and our fears. And Father God, you give us relief from our doubts when we surrender and trust you. Your character shows us that you can be trusted. 
Thank you for your promises to never leave us or abandon us. May your power protect us from the evil one and protect us from ourselves when we have little faith and doubts. And Father, for those of us that have surrendered our lives to you, that have put our faith and trust in you, we thank you for redeeming us, for saving us. It is comforting to know that that no matter what happens to us on this earth, we have a forever home and eternity with you. And Lord, for those that have not surrendered to you and put their faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you would help them overcome their unbelief. It is in Jesus' name that we praise you this morning. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.